0: Google lays off 12,000 employees.
1: Earlier this month, Amazon cut hundreds of jobs in Prime Video, MGM Studios, and they just bailed on their iRobot acquisition. Those people are getting cut too.
0: And outside the tech industry, UPS also laid off 12,000 employees as well.
1: Don't forget the traditional businesses of finance, like Regions Bank, they're all cutting people too. Layoffs are in the news. What's that mean for us? Stay tuned now, Mission Daily.
0: All right, so this is a big topic that i'm sure every person who has a business is working for a business working Ugh. anywhere sells to
1: people who generate money to buy their products and services because they have a job yeah it's impacting everybody
0: yeah so the headlines we see them all it seems like every company is making layoffs what is interesting is if you look at 2023 most people thought all these layoffs were happening because. There was a recession coming, and everyone was very nervous. By the time January 2024 hit, we were going to be in a huge recession. Well, January comes. We are not in this recession. These companies have more cash than ever, and there's still huge layoffs happening.
1: That's right. I'm pulling up this article. So this article says that this will be the highest level of job cuts in January in a long time. We're talking about 82,000 jobs were cut. Uh, 82,307 so far is what I have for a number. Uh, from January 1, 2024, until January 31st, 2024. It's the second highest layoff total and the lowest planned hiring level for the month of January in all data going back to 2009. Sounds like a big deal.
0: Why do we care about this? We have our own companies. We're doing our own thing. Why do we care so much about layoffs? The first thing that comes to mind for me is how do we make sure that our team is resilient? How do we make sure we're finding the right workers? How do we make sure that we're sourcing them and pulling them in? And we ourselves are also staying relevant. That's the first thing that comes to mind. So that's where I would like to be able to guide this conversation today if you're up for it.
1: Well, the first thing I'd say is this is probably only for companies it's not even only for companies. Let me take this back. This thing, this is going to impact and we believe the ripple effect of what's happening is going to impact us all sooner or later. right, so this change is inevitable. Stephanie and I are talking today about how do you jump in front of this change?
0: Yep, so I mean the big reason a lot of this change is happening, as most know, is AI. AI is literally impacting every single industry, every job, every process. It's getting into all of it. And it's very helpful. It's enabling a lot of people to do a lot more things. And that also means there's a lot of jobs that maybe aren't really needed that maybe one person can now do the job of 10 people, especially if they're in certain spaces that are very automated, or you know they were running a lot of data and just pumping out reports, or maybe they were writing a lot of code at once, but it wasn't really high quality. It was just like churning out tons and tons of things. A lot of these jobs are being eliminated, and a lot of other ones are being really empowered because they're learning how to use AI in a lot of different ways. So what I thought would be interesting was how we apply this to anyone who has a company or you work at a company and you're hiring people, you're sourcing people, you're bringing them in and you're trying to find a resilient future-proof team. And so Albert and I were talking before we hopped on here about what are things that we think, what are five tools or methods that will be helpful to thrive in this AI world when all these layoffs are happening, how can you future-proof yourself, your team, the team that you're on to make sure that, you know, you're going to be relevant in, literally just a year, probably maybe just six months. I mean, we really don't know what's happening and what skills will be needed and what people will be looking for. So let's just say for the next six months or so, how to future-proof where you're headed. So the first thing I'm gonna throw out there that I think is really important is I think any, yourself as a leader and anyone that you are hiring needs to develop emotional intelligence. I know that we've talked about this on the show before. I went through a specific training that was all around developing emotional intelligence. And why I think this is important is because while a lot of these, you know, a lot of AI will be able to do all the IQ tests, like they'll be able to pass them. They'll be able to do all the math formulas. They'll be able to churn out the data and the reports and do the things that only people used to be able to do. They'll be able to do all the strategies and what all the consultants do when they ingest a bunch of data and come with, you know, come out with some ideas. That will be taken care of, but what will still be missing is someone who knows how to relate with someone, someone who knows how to work with their own emotions and manage a team and relay information, good or bad to leadership, to customers. So I think that emotional intelligence piece of like, how do you find people who, you know, care about this stuff? Like they want to be relatable. They want to know how to work with a team. They want to know how to communicate and they want to know how to regulate themselves to be a leader, I think will be really important in the coming years because the computers are gonna be able to do a lot of things, but they won't be able to have this friendly personality that can connect with anyone and do sales and have relationships and then also manage a team and hear their team and be able to like, push a company forward.
1: So the one thing I would say to that is the, let's not mistake EQ for sensitive. I in general feel like I don't, I don't find working with sensitive people helpful. Uh, People who, and I know this sounds so bad, but. In general, people that are quickly, easily upset, get uh, emotionally distracted when they're told negative things or possibly react to hard assignments. I think to myself as in general, I know my personality type. I know that I do not work nearly as well with people who are sensitive. EQ is something different yeah. than sensitivity so it's, they, they kind of blur sometimes though because
0: yeah i think if people don't know what it is they can be like oh that just means you're really in touch with your heart and you're really <laughs> sensitive no actually if if you're thinking oh man i have so many team members or i myself am so sensitive and i'm getting triggered all the time and everything just offends me and fuck everyone if that's you That is not emotional intelligence. That's actually the opposite of it. Because that means you don't know how to control your emotions. You are not open to feedback. You are not able to hear things that could actually make you better in your work performance, in your product that you're creating, in your services that you're giving. So you can't get feedback. You can't work with other people because they're walking on eggshells around you because they don't want to offend you. So yeah, that is very much the opposite. This is more around people they've done their own work to where they're not impacted and easily giving their power away to other people and getting triggered when someone comes and says, hey, like that video you made actually was pretty shitty. You can either be the person that's like, oh my God, that was my whole life's work. Or you're like, oh yeah, okay, I love feedback. Let me hear like, what would make this better? What are you looking for? So So, how would
1: you find somebody like this? Because the other challenge is interview cycles are, this is a whole other subject, but interview cycles have gotten preposterous in regards to how long they are. I'm a big proponent of a hard interview, but not a stretchy one, because the longer you're indecisive on someone, the mm-hmm. less likely I think they'll come to you. Because if I'm a, let's say I have all the skills that you're talking about, all it takes is re- for me to find one person that recognizes that faster, and I'm going to go with company B instead of company A. So to me, I think being able to test, verify, and identify the skills you want in the shortest time frame possible is a power for any business owner.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, I think that one, when it comes to this, and this might come up a couple of times, but being able to give a test assignment within a time frame that you do quite often, I know with people that we're interviewing and then giving that person feedback on their test assignment while you're on video with them and seeing how they react. Like, are they open for feedback? How do they react when you maybe tell them hmm, this part? Like, I'm not really sure why you did it that way. And just see how they react. I mean, watching someone on video can tell you everything you need to know about how that person will show up on a team and how they can handle their emotions. And are they easily offendable or are they open to feedback in a way that's going to be, you know, adjustable in the future?
1: So So what are you looking for? Facial reactions? I'm
0: looking for facial reactions. I have been on interviews before with people who got very offended because their work wasn't exactly what we were looking for. Um, You can usually tell in the facial expressions, but actually a lot of people will just start saying things like they will show themselves. If you be quiet and just listen, most people will show themselves of like who they're going to be and what it would be like to work with them. So if you ever want to see that, you can just take an opposite position from someone. Um, Maybe you know if they really care about something, like what if you take the opposite idea or the opposite position of it? Or if they give you a test assignment and you're like, oh, like, I think this was good. And then there was parts here I would probably adjust. And just see how they react to any pushback at all. So there's a, I'm sure a bunch of different ways that you could do this, but I think either with a test assignment or just taking a slightly, not like aggressive. This is reminding
1: me of Liar's Poker uh, by Michael Lewis when he talks about back in the 80s that they would take, uh, some of the hedge funds would take, um, for example, a window that could not be opened. And they would ask someone, hey, can you open that up? Um, I need a breeze. And to see how they would react because the window couldn't be opened. Uh And the interviewer would eventually start, like, hammering them, like, what's the matter? Like, you can't do it? Like, you can't figure this out? Like, how smart can you be? See? And he started, started driving them a little nutty. And they talked about, you know, people going crazy and throwing, like, staplers at the window because they wanted to break it apart. But the whole test was because that industry and that sector at the time, the stress was super high. They wanted to see, like, how you dealt with stress. That was the reason behind it. Yep. I mean, it's kind of, it's a good read Liars poker anyone who wants to check it out yeah
0: i actually haven't watched that but exactly i mean it put a, a semi-stressful not aggressive not mean but just see what happens when you add a little stressor to that situation um, but another way which you know i always like to blend it into the like can i make it woo-woo spiritual sometimes i would love to know <laughs> has this person ever done work on themselves or are they open to it so you can say like have you ever gone to any trainings and i don't care what it is but like have you ever even been open to going to even if it's like an old school landmark or a training where it's going to process traumas and that you're open to even just like seeing what can happen in those spaces do you meditate do you take time just to go inward and think about what's going on in your body and your mind to then focus on calming that Um, what other things do you like to do outside of just this work like you know how do you take care of yourself? I think those kind of questions are just having an understanding of like, does someone ever take the time to actually scan themselves and uh, either want to expand or grow and be in a container of growth or just internally of like, yeah, every day I love to take a 20 minute walk and just think about, you know, how I'm feeling that day. Great, that's good. That means you're at least doing a step towards, you know, understanding yourself and your emotions and you're not just constantly being controlled by the environment, your colleagues, your boss, you know, the news. Like, if you have that ability to be a, who would you say that? Um, how would you say it's like you're firm in yourself? There's a word for that, though.
1: Just confidence, resolve.
0: Like, it's like unshakable, kind of. Yeah. But But, yeah, I mean, I guess if you have that unshakable belief in yourself where, You know who you are, you know your emotions, you know that you're not going to just be quickly responding and triggered to any one thing that happens to you. Like if that's even something that you think about, I think that would be a good step to is this person interested in being emotionally intelligent? They don't have to have done all the things, but are they even interested in thinking about those things? So that's the first tool method thing that I would be looking for, whether it's in when we're building teams out, When, you know, if I were going to look to apply for a job somewhere, I would want to show that. But I do think that would be a skill that, you know, AI is not going to be able to replace. And that people would be looking for that skill to build out certain teams and especially leaders.
1: For me, the next thing, I don't know if I would look for EQ nearly as much. But I do agree that you can't, you can't be easily offended. And I know that about working with myself. Like I just don't mesh well with people that are easily offended. So I'm, I'm looking for that specific trait to, or the absence of that trait specifically. The thing that I like to th- test for is learning curve or reasoning curve, either one acceptable. But how fast can you learn or figure out a way to learn something that you are unfamiliar with? And I like time as being that constraint. And I know... Uh, interviews and i mentioned the finance sector technical sector they kind of like doing this uh so a great a great one for <laughs> tell me how many diapers uh would be needed next year oh, and how many like, diapers yeah. will get manufactured excuse me in the year 2025 in the world and listening to people have to explain and reason they don't have to get the answer but you're what you're looking for is like well how would you go find this answer mm-hmm. uh, there's other tests that people give that are It's not so much like, is there an answer or you know what the answer is, but it's like, how do they come to it? Because those kinds of questions, people feel an unbelievable pressure to give you the right answer, even though you've told them, I'm not looking for a specific number. I'm literally looking for how would you come to solve it? And what I have found is a lot of people who do not have reasoning skills or high learning curves, they actually just look at you and just say, I don't know. They just, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) and that will be their default and no matter how much you encourage them to get started mm-hmm. they don't do it and then some people so if you're listening to this and you're getting tested like this this is what they're looking for um the other thing that people often do in this scenario is they just start kind of blurting out things without any reason mm-hmm. it was like they they would say something like uh you know
0: 100 million 100 million yeah it's like well,
1: why how do you how why do you why is that how many diapers are going to be made in the year? And so what you're really looking for is someone asking good questions that identify, because the idea is you can't learn something new unless you have identified a deficiency of something you need to know. Mm -hmm. Meaning how can you learn anything if you don't know like what you need to know next? So a good example would be someone asking like, well, how many babies get born each year? It's like, well, I don't know. Okay. Well, the first thing I would do is I'd look up the U S census and identify how many kids were born last year. Then Or global census, right? And so you're starting to think, how many times does a kid go to the bathroom each day? And then you start thinking. And then someone else might say, well, how many diapers are actually... Or how many people actually can afford diapers? Meaning there's, of course, people on earth that don't have access to diapers. And so you start getting someone asking those questions. Even though they don't have the answer, you can tell that they could potentially solve the problem. Whereas someone who's like frozen.
0: Yep. So this was... (laughs) Uh, so I did four different, or I interviewed for four different teams at Google, like YouTube, search, something else, and then like Maps and Street View, which is where I ended up. All of the hiring questions were those kind of questions. It was- <laughs> Like reasoning questions. Yep. Yeah, all reasoning. Reasoning curve, learning curve. Critical thinking, like how would you just solve this problem? Walk me through, I mean, they would be asking me engineering problems. And I'm like, my first thought was like, I'm not an engineer. But then I'm like, and I know this is their style of questioning. So let me just- you know, ask the questions I need and show them how I would do exactly what you're, what you're talking about. So
1: yeah. And you could tell if someone gets flustered.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. So that goes back to like, you know, step one of the emotional intelligence, but you will see if someone's like what I'm here to do, like video engineering, why would you be asking me questions around, you know, how many people are going to eat ramen noodles this year? Like, why would you ever ask me that question? So yeah. Yep.
1: And I'm going to go twice in a row. But the other thing That would go support that is something i would do in an interview process is this one's harder to hide but i would ask them what apps are on their home screen of their phone Mm -hmm. and then another common thing is to ask people what they've read lately now the app now why the apps this is the big one apps on your home screen reveal in my opinion what you do in your downtime Mm -hmm. because if you have mostly games then i know you like to entertain yourself if you have Mostly reading apps now I know you read a lot yeah. if you have news apps you 're in tune with the current day if you have uh you know if you have social media as your primary thing then that 's what you're most interested in it doesn 't mean it 's a good or bad thing, but I like to know kind of what you said what you do outside of work
0: mm-hmm. will p-
1: impact work and so like i like I like working with people who I think are reading a lot, yep. I tend to believe that they have good ideas.
0: Yeah. Do you remember when we wanted to use this as like a hiring uh, tool back in the day or something where we're like, we wanted to see what podcasts are you listening to? If you listen to 100 hours of podcasts with CMOs, you're qualified for whatever market (laughs) you want to do. Or if you've read this many books. And and I think we wanted to add in like an application layer too, where it's like all that knowledge is in your head. Can you actually think with it and utilize it? but I do think knowing what what people are doing, what they're listening to and reading and yeah. And even it'd be interesting, (laughs) this is probably too far, but I'd be like, show me what is like your hours spent on social media. So, so the
1: show me, I like the show. See, see, here's the thing is in our our producer, Lacey's like chiming in questions. Like you should ask them what their favorite uh, story they read or uh,
0: Mm.
1: favorite book that they've read. The challenge with that is someone can plant an answer. Yeah. But if you ask to see their phone or show me your app usage rate, that's a different thing. And so I try to stay away from things that you can gamify or prepare because if a person can prepare, then, of course, they, they could you could be easily fooled. Like, for example, someone might find that I like, you know, kind of this idea of mowing down obstacles or challenges and so on. Someone might be like, well, I read Ryan Holiday's Obstacle is the Way. I'm like, oh. I read that, too. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Show it's me false. your YouTube history. That's a good one, too. Like, what do you watch on YouTube? You'd yeah. be like, oh, Albert watches videos on surfing and killer whales. Like, that's really <laughs> weird, but okay.
0: Not helpful for me to know, but good to know he's not watching a bunch of weird things. Okay. I like
1: learning about animals. I do watch a lot of animal nature documentaries.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, like, I like the show me or, yeah, what do you do?
1: Show me. Outside or, of work. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Those are good questions. I like that. Um, so yours was kind of your second one. So we've got learning the,
1: curve, reasoning curve. I call, Yep. Synonymous in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Which I kind of call that critical thinking, but yeah, same things. So we've got the emotional intelligence, critical thinking. And then what do you do in your free time? Like show me who you really are type of thing. I think those are good. The fourth one that I think is really important. So we've got, why don't you go through the first three?
1: All so right. We, so the first three, cause the, the first three lead to our next two, I believe. Yeah for a total of five. But once we know that you have EQ, once we know that you have some level of learning curve, um, learning curve, reasoning curve, critical thinking capability. And we also know who you are in your free time because who you are in your free time, you're going to bring that to your work. So we we know you have high EQ. We know you can critically think. We know and can guess who you are in your free time. And that leads us to believe that you have good habits to work here. That leads us to our fourth thing that we're measuring, which is really important and that is adaptability
0: yes so adaptability we personally have seen this become even more crucial over the coming years and I know well, they... it's
1: especially true for us because we've had to save ourselves now a handful of times
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we've gone through so many different moments of having a company that yeah
1: if you've wanted to only do the thing that you've done before here I got bad news it's not gonna work it's it hasn't worked
0: <laughs> yep yeah so we've personally seen it but what's interesting is the industry outside of us has kind of been saying the same thing. But when I was looking at a scale of what leaders cared about, if you go back 10 years, it wasn't as high on the ranking or 10 years, 20 years. Like they kind of measure what the things that people care about. It wasn't as high as it is now. Adaptability? Adaptability, Okay. And I think that's just because it's like, it's a forcing function now of what the environment all around us is showing. And I mean, it's like what we were talking about earlier where many founders, Executives, teams, they don't even know what skills will be needed in a year because things are changing so rapidly. So, having a team member or being adaptable yourself and just knowing that things might be different tomorrow in six months. And I'm confident in myself that I will, I can do this thing, I can do that thing. And finding team members who can also support your vision and knowing, okay, I could put you on this, but if that crashes and burns. I can also pull you over and do this because I know you've got high emotional intelligence. I know that you're you know, you've got this mindset that is allowing you to grow inside work, outside work, and I can put you on multiple multiple projects and you don't have to be the best expert in this one thing anymore. I want you to be an expert at the company wide, like all the things that are going on. And then let, maybe we hire for that really niche person who's like very good at writing this one social post, like maybe you hire that person, very temporary to do those things, but your employees on your team are a lot more adaptable that you can pull into different projects, um, which is, I mean, exactly what we've done over the past year is pulling people around. I've done it with you so many different times. I mean, where you started, where it's like, okay, you're gonna do, probably like business development, I think was where you started. They're gonna help with this. No,
1: no, the the first thing, the first thing when I met you is, hey, we have a popular show and podcast, but like, everything just feels really hard. Can you look at our process and how oh, yeah, we operate process. Yep. and can we, can you figure out a way? Cause when I got here, it was, you know, I remember just that first week I was like, how can nobody know where anything is?
0: Yeah. Okay. Was- <laughs> so You were business, you were business operations and you came yeah, in and yeah, you were like trying yeah. to help organize things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was like my first role here is like, that's where you said you needed the most help.
0: Yeah.
1: And I remember, yeah, it was like, okay, how could we simplify this? Mm-hmm. Oh, why are there so many parts to a podcast? And that's when, uh, you know, I introduced the n- numbering system for the shows, and I said, if we just give each show a number, you won't have to look nearly as hard. Which yep. turned out to be
0: still we use that very show. very
1: good process <laughs> very considering hopeful. how many parts are in a show.
0: <laughs> yep. So then after I switched you to, I think I kind of started pulling you into finance because I was like, oh, yep. you're good at operations, you can probably be good at finance too. Yep. So you started was, doing that.
1: I was already good. I was already doing numbers with other companies too. So like trying to identify where could we cut, where could we get um, invest in yeah um anyways that's how the evolution has been but
0: and then podcast host
1: yeah Then and host, then
0: sales like, and then ho- like yeah so you've done managing almost, or 2 <laughs> you've been a producer yeah. calendar client relations i will say you have done almost everything at this company for the most part like you've done a lot of the jobs here but that's also why you've been able to stay here this whole time because of that adaptability of being like, okay, I can have Albert help me with this. I can have him help me with this. And,
1: and, and the, uh, the, the thing about the personal life plays a part. The personal life provided that runway. So like, this is, this is very true for some people. Like their personal and and it's not a criticism on people, but it is a reality for some people. Their personal lives have requirements. They have a substantial requirements that let's say for whatever reason, like whether it's time, energy, they just can't devote or, they need a certain level of pay or they needed to be home for a certain amount of hours. That is theoretically a disadvantage. It's a disadvantage when you're competing against the open marketplace. Someone who's more capable is at an advantage and is more advantageous to us as a team member. And I'll give you a prime example of how habits can be super advantageous. I remember evaluating one of our top sales guys back in the day and he got his first commission, first big check and he immediately blew fifteen thousand dollars on a Breitling watch, and it was you know he came in the next day, and I remember looking at him and being like, "Why did you spend that money?" He's like, "You just worked impossibly hard to close this deal. You got this check. Like, why aren't you investing in yourself? Why aren't you growing?" And he looked me dead on in the eye and said, "Albert." And he, he had a, it was a phone at the time, right? But a phone on a ringer, <laughs> not a cell phone. And he looked at me, and goes, "Albert." this thing's like an ATM. If I want more money, I just make more dials. And I'm like, this guy is, is exactly what someone wants in a sales rep. And I was like, (laughs) his personal life has bled into this job. Like this guy is so focused on getting money to (laughs) have nice watches. We're like, he's forever. He's the guy. This is the guy. And so like, that's a way it's like super advantageous. Like that personal life bleed. But uh, Mm yeah, that's part of, that's been part of the adaptability for myself is like my life also has created a way that I can, afford that mm-hmm. so it's like people can people know they can ask me questions I'm like hey can you try to learn this I'm like i guess i can
0: <laughs> yeah and look at you know what do you do in your free time what do i do in my free time it's a lot of like studying in a way you could call it researching looking what other companies are doing or just staying on top yeah. of different spaces the business spaces the tech spaces it's a lot of that in the free time whereas i think that you know many people will think okay if i'm working this job it's nine to five and that's the only time i think about it that's actually not the team members I always want. I want yeah. the ones who are constantly like excited and being like, here's what's happening in the media space. Here's something that just got turned into a Netflix original. Here's like another space that's very interesting that we should look at pulling into our space. The ones who are excited about it, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, passionate about the work and the space means that they're going to be reading about it and the skills that they're acquiring outside of the typical work hours, they're going to bring inside. So
1: yeah. the 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 other thing that I've seen that's quite advantageous to have people on your team like this is people who try to acquire micro skills like they're not trying to be masters of anything mm-hmm. but they see something and they're like I want to learn how to do this because I think it's applicable. So I'll give you an example. Uh being in AM back in the day we didn't have a great BI tool and um, we but we had a SQL database. You mentioned you taught yourself how to query SQL because it's too annoying to ask somebody else. I did the yep. same exact thing, and some of the best AMs we had in our team all learned how to do this, and it was it's just a small microcosm of someone who's looking in a way and, it, and they're looking at a problem and seeing that if they could acquire a small skill, they don't have to master anything that they could make their life easier. So they go acquire the skill. They don't throw their hands up and like I'll never be able to do that. That's not my role. That's you know. Mm-hmm. That's the data analyst's role They don't think like that. I remember w- working in a, um, software companies and we had ams and I used to always ask them like how good their Excel skills were and I would give them Excel tests because mm-hmm. and they say but Excel is not part of the job and it's like you would be shocked how much you will lean on Excel and mm-hmm. querying like if you if you can't VLOOKUP, lookup, I don't know what you're yeah. doing. Like yep. you have to, learn to you look you can't have
0: table and be look up you have to count yeah.
1: if you have to sum if you can't count if or sum if like you're in trouble so if you're listening out there and you don't know how to do this or you have a team of people that don't know how to do this it's a problem
0: yep. and I do think that is something that even with all the advancements of AI and I mean now you can upload entire data sets and just be like tell me this I still think there will be value and people to have the ability to to critically think about the results and to cross check it. That's going to be a huge problem in the coming years with all these black box AI models and people like who are overseeing them if they've never done any data analysis before or they don't know how to query a database or they don't even know how to like think about is this data structured in the way that I want. There's going to be a lot of bad results coming out of these models and there will be people overseeing it who if they don't have that skill set it'll be really hard to actually have good Results that you can trust and make business decisions off of. So I think that skill will never go away of like at least being able to critically think about data and the results that you're getting and knowing how it maybe came to be that that model spit out that thing.
1: That's actually my fifth trait that I would say. Um, And then so we're going to debate what's more important on our fifth because we agree on our first four. I think people who publicly verify things are that's an unbelievably good trait. So, publicly, public, like they believe in public verification, meaning they believe that using a screenshot or a video or a reference point to back up what they have made an opinion on is, it was important then. It's going to be immeasurably important in the future when a lot of our world around us, if we're leaning on the machines, like you just said, could potentially give you bad answers, wrong answers, answers that aren't good enough. Like, for example, I ran, I did your recommendation. I ran all my historical data through the lens of um, some of the AIs and it came back with like story structures and so on. And I just looked at them and I, you know, and I'm not saying I'm right in the story, but I just made a judgment that this wasn't good enough. This, Mm -hmm. like I wanted to have more detail. I didn't like the verbiage it used. I didn't just take it and accept it as is, which was huge and i know that when you guys were doing the shipwreck podcast like some of the dates might have been mixed up or mm-hmm. like you have to verify so like this is the new skill i think is true is because if, if you find out that one of your team members all they're doing is leveraging ai to give you a black box answer and hiding behind that answer without any judgment that person you don't need on your team you mm-hmm. can just use the ai if that was the case
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, I I agree with this point. I think that I would blend the two together of you need to understand how to use these tools. Like you need to understand prompt engineering. You need to understand like just the basics. I mean, there's so many people I still meet. They're telling me about their job and I'm like, have you tried chat GPT at all? And they're like, no, I'm very like my writing is my writing or this thing is my thing. And like, I'm like, well, you might at least want to know what it can do because you're still writing all these newsletters for this client and you're capped out at two clients a month, and you might just want to know, you know, what capabilities you have with it. So I'd say at least understanding it and knowing how to get in there and, you know, write some prompts and see what the results are would be step one. But then, yes, taking it to the next level and having your own humanness, your own intuition, your own ideas of like, is this good or not? Do I need to add to it? Do I actually not believe this at all? I think that will like the blend of those two, I would say would be my fifth skill of like, understand it, but still just. Be smart and like, don't forget that you are who you are. There's only one of you, there's only your ideas. Like they're not, like not everyone has your ideas. And so that is just as valuable, like adding that onto what a computer can do. So that intersection, like the merging of technology and then your humanness together, I think will be the future. But I think Um, even if it's not publicly, I think just verifying it in general, like that'll be a skill set where anyone will be able to learn how to do these things over time. Yeah. Um, But then- So you
1: agree with me on five?
0: yeah because my other one was pro- like learning prompt engineering but i'm like yeah and like you should be able to know what is happening
1: yeah that's the challenges i think i think if you have the first four you'll probably do okay but even if you were told hey i need you to learn some prompt engineering yeah. but if you don't have number five that becomes a problem mm-hmm. you know yeah. what i mean that's the new problem the new problem is lack of verification or yeah putting it through a human
0: lens so do you want to should we sum that up and give that an email? because we haven't really
1: recap add
0: yeah okay So
1: this is the type of worker who will thrive in a changing environment. So either you have these people on your team or you should be recruiting people onto your team that look like this. Here are their five traits. Number one,
0: develop emotional intelligence yourself and your team. That's number one. (laughs) Number two, what's number two, Albert? Can you remember?
1: Yes, they must have a strong critical thinking, reasoning curve, learning curve. Uh, Those three Phrases we interchange but this idea that you can learn you can figure out a way to learn something of which you don't have much prior knowledge i think that will be critical in the future yep and when i say the future i mean right now
0: yeah right. right now. like i <laughs> was saying yesterday yeah number three be adaptable can you and your team be adaptable to the ever-evolving changes that are coming are you open to feedback are you comfortable with uncertainties and can you change quickly and maybe even jump around different roles and try on different hats and learn different skills. But overall, just be adaptable.
1: Yep, and we jumped to four but our third one was you should verify who the people are in their public, excuse Mm. me, their private lives uh, because that leads to adaptability. In signs of adaptability. It shows signs of learning curves. So you should ask people and figure out what do they listen to? What do they consume as entertainment? what is living on their phone because those habits of who they are in the real world or outside of work world are going to be a, they're going to play a huge part in the work world. They just, it's not possible Like Steph, you've said it many times. You do not believe a person's work life and personal life can actually split that far apart. Yep. Nope. It'll, 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 you know, they'll intersect hundred mm-hmm. percent.
0: And number five, well, we're just giving it a name now, but it's having the ability to verify and understand the knowledge that you are presenting or that you yeah. are generating. The information from these, that you're presenting. Yep. From no AI doubt ops.
1: about it. Yes, there's going to be more falsifications. Or even if it's not falsified, it could be too elementary. That's the next thing, which th- that's also true, is like information can be too elementary now. Um, my favorite is that case. I'm going to look up this case while you talk of this guy, that guy who went before the judge and oh. defended his client. But then was referencing fictitious cases because he used chat GPT to, like, I guess, query up how many cases look like this because he he didn't verify them. He gets called out, and he got disbarred. Mm -hmm. That sucks. And by the way, that guy, if you've ever, if that person has ever represented you in the past, you now know he did not work that hard on your case.
0: Yep.
1: That's a shortcutter. He was shortcutting your case, 100%. Yeah,
0: you really don't care if you're just going to be going through and saying random legal cases and lawsuits and not even <laughs> double-check and make sure. Sir, it, is didn't.
1: that the is that from this movie? <laughs> it's like, what?
0: Cause, I mean, that's such an easy cleanup, too, if you are doing correct prompt engineering, to say, do not fabricate like examples give me the sources of those examples. Like there's so many ways that you can verify the knowledge of what you're pulling in ChatGPT, GPT. And that's like such a lazy way of not verifying anything. So that's why that's our fifth one.
1: We know the market's changing right now. It's always been changing though. It just probably feels like accelerating faster right now. So these are the skills. We don't know what you do. We don't know what your business is in. But there's probably going to be a service line or product line you'll probably have to add or change in the next year to be relevant, to continue to stay relevant or to continue to stay uh, near the top of your field. To do that, I think, we think, you're going to need people that look and have and possess those five quality traits that that align with what you're doing. And if you don't have those people, this is where the toughest call is should you look because there's a lot of people right now looking for work Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a tough call that every every business owner's got to make
0: yep yeah it's definitely a very good time as a business owner to be hiring there's more people looking for roles than ever and and there's also always an opportunity to upskill your team and see if they're up for the challenge as well so yeah either way it's better to know is is your team the right fit or can i upskill them and yes or no then you know what to do
1: let us know what you think. Reach out to us, info at mission.org. Maybe you have different criteria. Maybe you have different ideas. And maybe you have different ways of finding these people. We'd like to know. We'd like to hear about this. Uh, we believe that this recruiting wave is going to be the key. And I say recruiting because if you don't have the skill, and, I, and this, is, this is for later, is like, can people change? That's a great topic for next time.
0: All right. Until then, thanks, everyone. See you next time.
1: Until next time.